Cool. Well, if you don't remember, uh, we're going through a, a, a series, if I can pop it up, there you go, Conversations with Jesus. And you know, it got me thinking about this whole Conversation with Jesus thing, is I was, I was actually thinking about this, and I was like, what would it, like, what would it be like? Like, really, what would it look like if you bumped into Jesus at, like, a coffee shop and then just started having a conversation with him? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, uh, let's find out. If I can get this open. If I can get this open. Tristan, you have one job. It's right now. You're not doing the job, Tristan. Very good. Thanks. There we go. Oh. Hey, Jesus. I didn't know you were here. Ah, good point. You're everywhere. Oh join you uh yeah yeah actually i had some stuff to do but that actually sounds really awesome yeah so uh oh i don't know um i don't know i've been super busy uh just had raising canes um and then i honestly just been working on a lot of stuff for magic in that vr place Oh, okay, <laughs> straight to business, all right. Um, my sin, uh, well, if I'm honest with you, which I guess there's no reason not to be, uh, I don't know, I, I guess I feel a little overwhelmed. Um, it, it, feels, it feels heavy, and listen, I, I know you have forgiveness and stuff, but if I'm honest, it's like, it's like, I don't know, it feels like I don't deserve it. Feels like I haven't earned it. Yeah, okay, you're right. I I can't earn it. And I don't deserve it. Yeah. Oh. Back to basics? Okay. Yeah. Oh, story? Yeah, I love it. Oh, sure. Hey guys. I, I didn't know you were here too. Well, let, let's have a conversation with Jesus. I mean, listen, today we're actually going to talk about sin. And if, if Jesus really is who he says he is, and he really is the creator of everything, and ultimately the redeemer of our sin, then let's talk. Today... I want to talk about a conversation that Jesus had with a woman caught in adultery. So we don't need the coffee shop anymore. Let's focus in. We're going to talk about sin. And there's the, there's the verse we're looking at right now. This verse is actually in John. It's John 8, 1 through 11. And this is what it says. It says, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning. And he came again to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. 
The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst of, they said, they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses commands us to stone such woman. What do you say? This they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, from now on, sin no more. So, Jesus is teaching. Just get, get this. Jesus is teaching, and the scribes and the Pharisees come, and they drag in this half-dressed woman, and they throw her down in front of Jesus, and they said, hey, look, she's been caught in the act of having sex with someone who is not her husband. That's what adultery is. Now, you have to understand something. This is a big deal because you have the Pharisees and the scribes, they're doing this not because they really care for justice. They're doing this because they want to trick and trap Jesus. Now, you might go, I don't understand. That doesn't make any sense. So let me tell you how and why. See, in the Jewish law, in Deuteronomy, it tells them that if a woman were to be doing this, then she shall be stoned. That means like to death. So if Jesus says, mm, no, 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 I don't want to stone her. She should be released. What is he saying? He's saying, you know what? The Jewish law, it doesn't really matter. But the Roman law was different. So if Jesus recommended following the Jewish law and saying, yes, we should stone her, well, then he'd be going against the Roman law as well as supporting this sin. So he's a trap for Jesus. It's a trap. It's a trap between gentleness and righteousness, between mercy and justice. If Jesus shows mercy, he would be unjust and unrighteous. But if he agreed to stone her, he would be unmerciful. So how does Jesus respond? He responds, and in it, he flawlessly preserves both the Jewish and the Roman law, while at the exact same time, uncovering the intentions of the accusers. First truth we're going to learn. We all sin. Welcome to the club. We're all sinners. I'm sorry if you don't know this. This is just a fact of life. Matter of fact, we're told in Romans 3, it literally says that no one is righteous. No one's righteous. Um, that means that it, we're not talking about the people that you probably don't like or the people that give you, uh, that say bad things about you or give you the bad looks or whatever it is. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about the people that you would expect to be righteous. The, the people who like, every time you're around them, all they do is think about other people. They lift up everybody else. Nope, not righteous. 
I mean, let, let's, get, let's get practical. Uh, like the old lady who like bakes cookies, not righteous. Yep. Uh, we could say, I was saying down that same track, we could say like uh, famous people, right? Famous people, what, like Martin Luther King Jr., Mother Teresa on their own, not righteous. Not righteous. These are amazing people who've done incredible things on their own, not righteous. Well, let's take it a little bit more close to home. You have your church leaders, your elders, your pastors. You think, oh, well, they spent all the time in their word. They must be like, oh, that. no one is righteous. We all sin and fall short. So here's the situation. And how does Jesus respond? He writes in the dirt with his finger. How cool is that? What is he writing? You know, actually, I don't know. I don't know what he's writing. And you know what's funny? It doesn't say. Like, you go through all the the scriptures and nowhere in does it say, oh, and this is what he wrote. Which is crazy for me. I'm like, I feel like that must be important, but I guess if it's not in God's word, it's not. What... Now, don't get me wrong, there's speculations, right? There's different ideas of what it could be. Some say it's like a verse in the Old Testament. Some say it's referring to something. But some even say that they think what Jesus is writing down are the sins of the people who are accusing this lady. So he's writing, possibly, the sins of the people who are coming here and saying, you need to stone her, she broke the law. made me think about like if I was like imagine this imagine if you're uh, a Pharisee right and you are like here's a situation arises and you've been trying to get Jesus and here's a possible and you're like in your head you're going oh we're gonna get him now we're gonna trap him no matter what he chooses we got him and imagine like imagine taking this woman and throwing her in the ground and like exposing her sin to all of the world for your like you know for your plan and then, just to have Jesus come write your sin, the one thing, your, your deepest sin that exposes to everyone the thing that you've spent your life denying. Which I guess brings us to our next truth. God knows your sin. Psalm 98 98, not 98, says this. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. God shines a light into our hearts. He exposes our sin. I was trying to think, like, how do I show, how do I explain this to you? And I kept going back to, so I, I didn't grow up in Texas. I grew up in a place called Colorado. And there was these things called mountains. I don't know if you know what they are. Uh, they're big. They come out of the ground. It's amazing. Anyway, there are things called mountains. And in the mountains, believe it or not, they usually don't have like street lights. So it gets very dark. And I remember this one time I was camping with my dad and we're out there and I 
got all kind of gunked up. I fell a bunch and whatever. And as I got closer to our campsite where the fire was, right, my dad was like, come on, come on. And he, you know, I can imagine him seeing me this little like uh, black lump coming towards him. And as I get closer and closer to the fire, I remember him going like, what happened? Because I was covered in gunk. Like I was full of mud and, and like the closer I got to the light, the more he was able to see how dirty I was. And the reality is that's what Jesus does. God shines a light into our hearts. Nothing is hidden. And we can't trick God. I mean, don't get me wrong. We can put a face on for others. We can pretend we have it all together for, for somebody else, right? But God sees your heart. And, and don't get me wrong. Listen, I'm not saying that you're necessarily trying to trick God. Like, oh, he doesn't know I sin. No. But, but maybe, maybe perhaps you're trying to deceive him. Maybe you do it by just downplaying your sin. Maybe you say things like, ah, it's not that bad. Or, or maybe you compare to others and you say, yeah, but it's not as bad as... Or you know what? Maybe, maybe you just put harmless notions to it. Like, oh, come, in, come on, like, no one's getting hurt. I mean, they don't really care. You know what is unfortunate is that today what's popular is to excuse our sin. What's popular is to figure out the reason behind it so we can justify it. I mean, l- listen, let's do this with the, the adulterous lady. The adulterous woman comes in. What, what can we say? Well, maybe, maybe she was seduced. And that's why she committed adultery. Uh, maybe she was just really lonely. Maybe she was sad. Hey, listen, she could have had a jerk for a husband. And maybe that was the reason why. Or, you know, maybe she did do it. But come on, the punishment? That's a little intense. Here's what's important to understand. Jesus never refuted the law of Moses. He never refuted the penalty of stoning. Like, in my head, I'm like, could, could he just been like, uh, listen, that was the thing. It's no longer the thing. I'm here. We're good. But he doesn't say that. No, he doesn't. And you know why? Because this next truth. Because Jesus knows that sin requires justice. So, all right, what is justice? Um, justice is what is right, as it should be. It's one of actually God's attributes, and it flows out of his holiness, justice. And sin is the opposite. It's lawlessness. It is literally everything contrary or an opposite to God's holy nature. Sin is a crime against God, and because of that, demands penalty of death. Sin requires justice. So what does Jesus say? He says, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Okay. What does Jesus do? He widens the scope. He says, If she's guilty, you are too. 
you're equally guilty. He, he focuses the accusers to look at themselves. St. Augustine, he actually says it like this way. He says, hence, either let this woman go or together with her receive the penalty of the law. I'll, 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 I'll give you an example like this. Check it out. Show that video. So this is a neck. And if we focus in on this, yeah, you can play it. If we focus in on this, you'll see this is, if we say this is it, what, what Jesus does in this moment is he says, let's not just look at this one but let's widen the scope. Let's zoom out a little bit. And if we just stopped there, but he doesn't, he keeps going. Jesus takes this and makes it this. He widens the scope. And because the accusers look at this, it says the next thing that happens is that they went away one by one. And they, it's crazy. It even says, it even says it begins with the older ones and it goes on to the younger ones. And I think I know why. Because I think the older you get, the more you realize you deserve punishment the more you realize you blew it, the more you recognize that that's true of you. And then it says it was just Jesus and the woman. And Jesus is left. And by the way, can I tell you something about this? While in the story, it seems like this amazing, like, oh, wow, this is a good thing. My first thought was like, wait a second. Jesus, he is the only one qualified to throw a stone. And it would have been justice for him too. I don't know if you thought about that. Was the woman guilty? Yes. The woman was guilty. It says she was caught in the act. And Jesus knew she was guilty. And what does he say? Woman. Where are they? Has no one condemned you? Now, when he says woman, it's interesting because in the Hebrew, he's actually saying the same type of woman as if he would say it to his mom. He says, has no one condemned you? And she says, no one, Lord. And then he says these amazing words. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on, sin no more. Next truth is that Jesus came to save, not to condemn. And that's important. He says, I don't condemn you. Jesus condemns the sin, not the sinner. Jesus hates our sin, but loves us. And notice, he didn't ignore her sin, he didn't pretend like it never happened. No, the sin mattered. But what mattered more was salvation, redemption, freedom. Romans 8, 1-4 says this. I very truly, I tell you. When you were younger, you dressed your... That is not Romans 8, 1-4. Nope, that's not the right verse. 
That's a bummer. Can you pull up Romans 8? I can just pull it up on my phone. <laughs> I don't know why that's there. Sorry, guys. I'm reading. I'm like, that's not it. I got it. All right. Romans 8. Here we go. It says this. There is therefore, and see if you can picture this as I'm saying it, okay? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Um, Okay, I want to I want to break this down just a smidge because you read this. It's, it's a little bit I don't know. It's, it's a little hard to understand. So here's what I want to do. First off, I want to focus on that. There's now no condemnation. All right. Condemnation. What does that mean? No condemning. Uh, no. When you condemn, you condemn someone to punishment. You deserve this, so I'm declaring you deserve this punishment. That's what condemning means. You deserve it. And I'm saying it's, it's happening. But, but this verse says that those who belong to Jesus, the Spirit has freed you from sin. And then it says that even that the law of Moses couldn't, couldn't do that. It couldn't combat our sin. And so because of that, God did what the law could not do. And he sent his son, Jesus, to become a man, to take on a body like ours and pronounce the end of sin's control over us. How? By sacrificing himself for our sin. He did this so that the law would be satisfied. The requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. By the way, that's justice. Now, as we follow Christ, who walk not according to the flesh, we don't follow the world, we no longer follow, but instead we follow the Spirit. This is what this is saying. I don't know if me breaking it down for you helps a little bit, but because of Jesus, we have received mercy. And just like this woman, apart from Christ, we're hopeless. We're helpless. We're enslaved to sin and spiritually dead. That is what we're told. We need a redeemer. We are all sinners. We need a savior. We need someone to pay the price. And so Jesus looks at this woman and he says this amazing thing. He says, neither do I condemn you. Jesus doesn't punish you, but he was punished for you. He paid the price. And all we need to understand is who God is. And this is important. Man, can I, can I tell you how important it is just to know the reality of who God says he is? If we get this in our heart, it changes us. 
And the reality is this, because if the enemy will use that misunderstanding against us, he will say, well, if I can get you to believe the lies about God, then I can keep you from believing the truth. That God is not a God that's hovering around you, waiting for you to blow it so he can zap you because you deserve it. No, 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 this story tells us that God is actually waiting for you to acknowledge your guilt so you can receive forgiveness. Think about that. If you uh, don't think you're guilty, you don't need forgiveness. And once you receive forgiveness, you can let go of guilt, you can let go of your shame and live in freedom. And that's exactly what, woman, what Jesus tells the woman. He says, go, sin no more. And so with her guilt and her shame addressed, Jesus now offers a new life. This is the last truth. Jesus offers new life. Only Jesus can set us free. And that's precisely what he does. He doesn't deny, diminish, or blame sin for what happens. No, he simply forgives. He doesn't treat sin casually like it's no big deal, but he calls the sinner to turn away from the old corrupt life and the way of doing it. Walk in something new. Now, I'm going to tell you something here because you have to be careful. Our response to this can be one of two ways. The first way... It'd be two extremes. The first way can be, be to believe that our sins are too great. They're too, good, they're too big for God. And reality is that they're, they're too much for God to pardon. That, man, but if you only knew what I actually did, you wouldn't be up here saying that Jesus could forgive me because I've done some stuff. And it's just too great. Even if I repent, it's just not enough. And if this is your default, if that's where you find yourself going... I want you to look at Jesus' words. He says this, neither do I condemn you. Let that sink in. Okay, now the other extreme. The other extreme is now we can just do whatever we want. We can just live how we want. I mean, after all, he's, he's uh, the second one. The second one is we do whatever we want and he, we, his goodness will just cover me. He'll, you know what? He will overlook my sin. Cool. I mean, I don't need to repent. God will save me regardless. And if this is your default, I'm going to have you look at his words. He says, go and sin no more. Jesus is bigger than our sins. And his mercy always calls the savior, I'm sorry, the sinner. He always calls the sinner to a life change. He is the savior. In Ephesians, it actually talks about this. It says that we, we throw off our old self and we put on a new one, one that is created to be like God. Like the way I was thinking about this. I was like, how does this make sense? I have been playing Zelda. Okay, and hear me out. So in Zelda, you can, get, you can collect outfits. And when you put on an outfit, right, you look different, right? And some of the outfits actually have like special abilities, you have the whole set, like you got the sneaky set, you are a sneakster man, right? You have like the swimming set, you can swim super fast, maybe you can be extra strong, extra defensive. Look, if that's something to remind you, look, it's like that. 
It's like taking off the old self and putting on this new set that, by the way, was created to be like God, truly righteous, truly holy, and then walking in that. Putting it on and keeping it on. Which then makes me ask, if I follow Christ, if I have this new life that I've put on, am I living a transformed life? I mean, how do I react toward my sin? Is it too great? Is it something that I just know God will forgive and I blow it off? Maybe another question I need to ask myself is, how do I act towards other people's sin? I know I can forgive myself, but can I forgive others? Do I respond the way Jesus would? Do you? Listen, you guys, you don't have to manufacture it. The reality is, because of Jesus' love, his mercy, his forgiveness... We can walk in that. And then the most amazing thing is that because we can literally walk in that love and that forgiveness, we then get to tap into it. And because we tap into it, then we can give it to others. We actually get to do that. Sounds good. But okay, I know... Some of you in here right now are going, that does. Sounds good, bud. But um, that's not me. I'm not there. And if I'm honest, I'm, well, I'm like the woman on the ground in the dirt. Overwhelmed with my sin. I've recognized it, but it's. Let's, uh, let's see what Jesus says. Well, Jesus, you heard them. What do you want to tell them? Yeah, all right. I'll say what you say. I know where you've been. I know what you've been going through. I know what you've been doing. But that doesn't matter now. I care about where you are and where you're going from here. I tell you the truth that those who listen to my message and believe in the God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. Okay, last thing. How you walked in the doors tonight doesn't matter as much as how you leave those same doors tonight. So go and sin no more.
Thanks, Jesus. That was a good conversation. Let's respond. If I can get the uh, band to come on up. I don't know where you're at. I don't know where, where you see yourself. I don't know if you, uh, you see yourself as, as a Pharisee that says, I got it all together, and you walk around in pride and want to expose everybody else's sin, trying to hide your own. I don't know if you feel like the woman down in the dirt, overwhelmed, don't feel like there's a way out, maybe embarrassed, guilty, yes. I also don't know if, if you're holding on to something. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if, if God is looking at you and saying, hey, I don't condemn you. You need to believe it. And I also really, I, I don't know if God's looking at you and saying, hey, that thing go and sin no more. I don't know. But I do know God knows. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to respond. I want us to respond to what God is trying to speak to you tonight. If you really were to bump into Jesus at a coffee shop and have a conversation and the first thing he did was mention your sin, where would that conversation go? My prayer tonight is that may you open your eyes to what Jesus has for you. We're gonna pray and we're gonna respond. You guys can stand up. You guys can come up front if you want. Jesus, you are good. And God, we, uh, we truly understand that we are broken people. And God, we don't have it figured out. We don't have it perfect. But you know what the reality is? Is that you never said we have to. Matter of fact, you sent your son Jesus because we weren't going to get it right. God, we are sinners and we need a savior. And so Lord, right now, I ask that you would help our hearts. Help our hearts to believe that you are who you say you are that you are a good, loving God, that you really want what's best for us, God, that you're here to lift us up, encourage us, that you walk with us. And when we are broken and we are down in the dirt and saying, what is going on? That you look at us and say, I don't condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Thank you so much. Thank you that you're working and moving. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you rest upon us your presence in this place that you'd be known and that we would not walk out those doors the same that we would know it doesn't matter how we came in but what matters is how we go out thank you Lord in your name